Hi, I'm Kevin Alvis with Big Talk Podcasts. I believe that everyone needs to treat themselves for a job well done. Whether it's surviving a workday jam-packed with mind-numbing meetings, or that five-mile bike ride down the lake with your friends, nothing says, I fucking crushed this, like a delicious cold beer. And there's no finer place to treat yourself than Chicago's northernmost taproom, Howard Street Brewing. Just steps from the Howard Street Red Line, Howard Street Brewing offers a cozy 37-seat taproom that's perfect for catching up with old friends or making some new ones. And don't let their one-barrel system fool you. It's perfectly pumping out a rotating menu of amazing beers like Roger's Proud Pale Ale, the Better Late Than Never Pilsner, and the This Is What Happens Larry Belgian Saison. Not sure what to try? Get a flight. Try them all. Like that beer and want some for the after party? Grab a few growlers for the road. You want some sweet merch with your beers? They've got hats and t-shirts ready for you too. So if you're in Chicago or planning a trip to Chicago, be sure to check out Howard Street Brewing. Open Tuesday through Sunday. No cash, cards only. Oh, and did I mention that there's entertainment every Tuesday night and trivia every Wednesday night? Oh, 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 and did I mention that you can have food from all the local spots delivered right to your table? Oh, 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 and did I mention that they're pet friendly? This place is the shit. So check out Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago and at howardstreetbrewing.com. Be sure to tell them Big Talk sent ya. So they had one about an octopus and a crab fighting, and we took him to see that, and he loved it. Loved it so much that when we got home, he asked to watch the octopus and the crab fighting again. I found it, and that became his go-to thing. I want to watch the octopus movie. I'm glad his go-to thing is like a fun nature documentary thing. (laughs) Rebel's go-to thing is this really poorly animated song about a scary clock that strikes 13, and then weird stuff happens to this little red car that's alive. By the way, who won, the octopus or the crab? Everybody's got a little thing to say about the stuff they love. Pop culture, Rebel and Amanda are gonna teach their dads, Phil and Dylan, if they're willing. If they're willing to. Hop on, pop culture. Hop on, pop culture. Hop on, pop culture now. A couple old friends are gonna ask their kids about books and movies and TV shows. And those two guys might open their eyes and see it's all just a big surprise. They're gonna hop on, pop culture. Let's talk about dinosaurs in general for just a second. Is Mal into dinosaurs? Oh, very into dinosaurs. I mean, he's kind of always been into them, but it has become an an obsession over the past month. Can he name any dinosaurs? Oh, yes. We have a game called Dinosaur Bingo. Oh, I want to play with next time. Next time we're oh, hanging out, next time, we got to play that with you, me, and Rebel. It is incredible because it, it's four games in one. It's all involving bingo. But basically, you can either match the dinosaur picture just to the name, or you can match picture to picture or name to name. Oh, that's wonderful. And he has memorized every single dinosaur's name so far. So now knows them. He can look at the picture and tell me exactly what it is. I bet he sounds adorable when he says Parasaurolophus. That one he actually calls Parasolupus right now. Oh my goodness, a French werewolf. So right now we are in a huge dinosaur phase, and going along with that is something called Prehistoric Planet, which, have have you ever heard of Prehistoric Planet before? Do you know it? 
I don't know anything about it. It, it sounds vaguely familiar. Is it new? Can I, I'm going to ask a question real quick. Go for it. Is it a newer property or is it an older property? It is new. It is on Apple TV. So oh, you know, I, I just realized I was thinking about the cover for the old movie Dinotopia. <laughs> That's where my brain went. Oh, I didn't ask. Is Rebel into dinosaurs at all? Oh, she she has been super into dinosaurs for a while. I think that's a pretty universal thing. Something about so these big, scary monster lizards that, like, they were real, but they aren't here anymore. Exactly. And now all we have are their big, scary bones. That's right. But she'll run around at, at her highest speed. She will go sprinting around the playground, playing tag with kids. And she will tuck her arms up a little <laughs> like bit a like a bird. <laughs> and she will just start yelling, I'm a gallimimus. I'm a gallimimus. Perfect. You can't catch me. I'm the fastest dinosaur. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I also, while we're talking about dinosaurs, I want to talk about a song that I'm certain other parents have heard. I don't know okay. if you have heard it, but it's this like rock song about the Brachiosaurus. And it goes way harder than it had any right to go. And it is so good. It is one of my favorites. Brachiosaurus, he has a long neck. Brachiosaurus might be the big. This dinosaur. Love it. I think we might end up having to do an episode just about music and kids' music because. Oh, we should. Absolutely. Well, anyways, dinosaurs, prehistoric planet. Prehistoric planet is a BBC property. Oh, this is like planet Earth. It is planet Earth with dinosaurs. But the deal is so I'll go back to the beginning. You remember a few years ago when Disney rebooted The Jungle Book as a live-action picture with CGI'd animals that looked incredibly realistic, talking with Mowgli. Yeah, I remember that. The CGI in that was really good. I mm -hmm. think it was better than what happened when they did The Lion King. Well, it's the same company that did The Lion King. And this company also did Prehistoric Planet. Prehistoric Planet is a BBC property that's produced by John Favreau. Oh, I love him. I know. he. It seems like he what, touches what does everything it, What pot good. does he not have his fingers in? And that's what drew me to it first. I love Planet Earth. You know, I used to love getting stoned and watching Planet Earth because it's just beautiful. And David Attenborough as a narrator is just so glorious. And earlier, not this year, because it's 2023, but back in 2022. The olden took, days of 2022. The olden days. You know, back when COVID was still a thing. <laughs> we took Mal to the aquarium and uh, the shed the aquarium. Shed. Yeah. Thank oh, you. the big I, one. Yes. I, I, love I the couldn't shed. think of what, what it was called. The shed aquarium. It's this Chicago. massive building and they call it the shed. And I'm like, wow, that's ironic. This is this is more than a shed. Yeah, this, this is, is a, this, this is, is a storage a, facility for fish. This is the Amazon warehouse of fish. <laughs> the, the, the Amazon is the Amazon warehouse <laughs> of like piranha fish anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so we took him there. And as part of it, you can watch in 3D some of the Planet Earth documentaries about like different animals. Nice. So they had one about an octopus and a crab fighting. And we took him to see that. And he loved it. Loved it so much that when we got home, he asked to watch the octopus and the crab fighting again. I found it, and that became his go-to thing. I want to watch the octopus movie. I'm glad his go-to thing is like a fun nature documentary thing. <laughs> Rebel's go-to thing is this really poorly animated song about a scary clock that strikes 13, and then weird stuff happens to this little red car that's alive. 
By the way, who won, the octopus or the crab? Oh, the octopus. Oh, hands uh, down. All eight of them. Wait, all eight arms down in the water. The cool thing about this one is that the octopus and the crab were actually out of the water, so they were fighting on land. Oh, okay, that changes it a little bit. If you got crab versus octopus, octopus in the water any day of the week on land. It's a little harder. That's trickier. But it was also fighting an eel that was also coming out of the water at the same time. It is It is an epic, epic animal fight. Is there a, like a riff tracks that's like a uh, professional wrestling commentary <laughs> for that? For like Planet scene? Earth? If there's not, we should start a, a separate podcast about that. And here comes the electric eel. Oh, he's got a steel chair. Oh, oh no. He has it in a headlock. Not Al Snow Crab. There's a deep sea cut for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All you wrestling fans out there. About a month after that, I found out that there was this dinosaur documentary called Prehistoric Planet on going to be on Apple TV. And I had just bought a new Apple computer. So I got Apple TV for free. One night after Mal was in bed, I did my old standby and took an edible and sat down to watch this prehistoric planet and was blown away by it. It is one of the most incredible things I have ever seen in my entire life. What makes it so incredible? Tell me a little bit more. Imagine real dinosaurs on the screen because the CGI is so good that you forget that you're not watching an actual nature documentary. And that's what makes it so amazing. It seems like every other planet Earth documentary, except it's about dinosaurs. And it feels like you're watching footage rather than CGI because they've gotten really good at it. Exactly. How does it compare to the movie Jurassic Park from way back in the day? Oh, because we were just watching it before we started recording tonight. I, that's what I was struck by, is it feels like the puppets of Jurassic Park, but elevated. Wow. And even on our like fancy TV that is very good at picking up bad CGI, this is incredible, incredible CGI. And on top of it, it took them 10 years to develop this because it is so incredibly well-researched. So you are seeing dinosaurs do things and behave in ways that you would never imagine because they're all using evolutionary practices and evolutionary theories to figure out exactly how dinosaurs interacted in the real world. So they are taking the descendants of dinosaurs and seeing how they behave in our modern world and then going back in time and applying that to how these dinosaurs are living and where in the world they are living. Oh, that's a real scientific way to test the theory that the more things change, more than stay the same it's a nice way to think about it but at the end of the day it's the cgi that's what makes it so good and then you add in the fact that david attenborough is also the narrator for this property i absolutely love that he's just dedicated himself to narrating nature documentaries and uh being a conservationist <laughs> and i could listen to him talk about anything and i'm about glad that he chose to talk about fascinating animals. And on top of the fact that he actually is a huge proponent of nature and everything else, I mean, he is constantly fighting for, you know, the conservation of nature in the real world. I have been seeing clickbaity headlines about the way the Tyrannosaurus Rex yes. eats is not what you thought. Is this where that's coming from? Where it, it like swallows not. its prey whole? It is not. No, this is a no, totally okay. different thing. Because along with that, I saw the clickbait headline earlier today that the T-Rex has lips. Did you see that one? No, but I would smooch it. Well, of course. Who wouldn't smooch a T-Rex? And I didn't 
because it was clickbait. I I didn't actually click on it as I should have. You're a smart fish, Dylan. I I am a smart fish. But yeah, apparently the T-Rex had lips. I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but this is not part of that. What this show does is it basically divides the world into its different environments. You have the oceans, you have the Antarctic, you have the deserts, you have the forests, and I forget what the fifth one is offhand. Long ago, all the nations lived in harmony until the Tyrannosaurus Rex attacked. <laughs> all right, this is this is the five episodes they have so far. They have coasts, deserts, freshwater, ice worlds, and forests. And they explore the different kinds of dinosaurs that yeah, they've discovered fossils, and they say this is the uh, environment in which these dinosaurs would have lived millions of years ago. And so that's so that's an interesting way to categorize that. I like that yeah. go region by region because it's a big ecosystem. They're all going to be intermingled. Yeah, that's exactly. Then yeah. seeing how they interact specifically with their environment, it's nice. And how does Mal respond to watching these oh, realistic loves dinosaurs? It. Loves it. But he's in that phase right now that most kids go through where he's questioning a lot. When we're watching this show together, his questions are more about like, oh, what's that dinosaur doing? Oh, what's the Quetzalcoatlus doing? Oh, what's the T-Rex doing? What's the Velociraptor doing? Uh, what's the Brontosaurus doing? Oh, uh, I know that so, phase of development. That phase of development could be absolute hell. Because, what's days. the blank doing? What's he doing? Let's say to use your eyes, learn to observe your surroundings. Exactly. <laughs> Have and... so much ability and power. Please begin to <laughs> use it. He he loves it. So the cool thing about this, in addition to the CGI being so amazing, is they show that dinosaurs actually had feathers for instance, and some dinosaurs had hair, which is something that when you think of dinosaurs, you think of like giant alligators and lizards and that kind of stuff. But that is not necessarily the case. The Velociraptor is a great example. Velociraptor had feathers because it had wings for arms, because it was a, a cliff-welling dinosaur that would go after pterosaurs on the cliff. So it would need little wings to try to get to scale cliffs, which is just mind-blowing to me it, it like i said when you when you think of dinosaurs you think of giant crocodiles or alligators or well we lizards. think that because that's what the people who were thinking about it before us that was just their best it. guess and then they told us their best guess exactly and now we have a better guess so that's why everything feels our kids go to school well ours don't go to school yet but i imagine as a parent your kid when goes to school will. comes back spouting some stuff that's not lining up with what you yeah. learned you don't want to feel like an idiot i think i am beginning to understand why old people are cantankerous <laughs> pluto's a planet you mentioned the dinosaurs had hair what dinosaurs had hair if they were reptilian doesn't that negate like wouldn't that be mammalian then like the just having hair yeah i thought that was what made you a mammal was not the the mammary glands not the live birth but the the fact that you had hair yeah well that's it's part of it but Really, what makes a what distincts a dinosaur from another mammal is the is the warm versus cold blooded. Oh, you know, dinosaurs could still have fur of some kind, but they were still cold blooded animals. I'm going to give you another uh, book recommendation. So it's a children's book. It's a lot of fun. It's called "If Dinosaurs Had Hair" by Dan Marvin, ah. illustrated by Leslie Vamos. Well, this book is out of date, my friend, because dinosaurs did have hair. Oh, well, still, it's a fun one. It's got a T-Rex with, like, a, a Marie Antoinette-style wig on the cover. Oh, love it. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. We have a book right now that's How Do Dinosaurs Say Goodnight, which is a big hit around here. How do they say goodnight? Well, every page is a different question. How do dinosaurs say goodnight? Do they throw a fit before turning out the light? Do they XYZ before going to bed? Do they all this stuff? And then it changes halfway through. And it's, no, they don't do that. They give one big kiss and one hug more. And they turn out the light and begin to snore or something like that. It all rhymes. All right. Well, it tracks with the T-Rex having lips, I guess. And that means that a lot of my fan fiction growing up is now more realistic. <laughs> See, this is the difference between you and me, Phil, is your fanfic was about actual T-Rexes and mine was about the band T-Rex. I read a lot of fan fiction about like Lord of the Rings and stuff, but I'm very grateful that I never actually wrote any. Yeah. For me, it was Harry Potter. And I am very glad, especially now, that I didn't write any Harry Potter fanfic. Yeah. Ah, uh, don't have heroes. That's the lesson here. <laughs> That's right. That's the lesson. Speaking of things that need to go extinct, Mal's super into this. He's picking... How much is he picking up? Because Mal's, Mal's still three. Yeah. He's three, yeah. Mal's still is... three. He's talking. He's learning the, the things. But, like, what do you think his greatest takeaway is from it? Is it the visuals that entrance him? Is it David Attenborough's sumptuous voice? Like, what got him on the hook here? That's a good question. I think right now it's the visuals. And I think he is connecting all of his dinosaur properties in one. We have the show, Prehistoric Planet, where you get to see real-life dinosaurs. He has his dinosaur bingo, where, you know, you're matching dinosaur names to real-life dinosaur pictures. And someone else, a friend of ours, also gave us I forget what this game is called, but it also involves dinosaurs. And it's a matching board game where you're going around trying to find dinosaurs. Dino Dig Site. No, not Dino Dig No, not Dino Dig Site. We have Dino Dig Site, and that's a good one. You mix the tiles up, and then you're trying to look for your color dinosaur, and you can trade if you pick a different color, or sometimes it's like, fell in the snake pit. I lose a turn. Yeah, we played that at your house for Rebel's birthday. This is different because the dinosaurs are still alive. Oh. They're, yeah, they're going, <laughs> so they're going around the board and you're trying to match the dinosaur figurine to a dinosaur tile that is hidden on the board. And then once you match, it gets to go on an island because you're also building a volcano simultaneously. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a fun game. Amy, my wife, Amy Malcolm, today told me when I got home, I name drop, play by this. the way. Well, I know. Oh, yeah, sure. Very fancy of you. But she told me I can never play this game again. I have played it like 20 times today, and I can't play it again, which is fun. Repetition, man. It's good for their brains, but wow, does it wear us out. I think right now he's just connecting dinosaurs from his various properties, and but seeing them alive and moving and doing things is sparking his imagination in a different way which is great for me because now he's starting to get to that phase where Rebel is, where he's like pretending to be a dinosaur, which is pretty cool. Isn't he? Oh, he's entering imaginative play like that? Oh, yeah. That Welcome so. to that world. That's a fun world. It is so much fun. It goes back to improv training, the yes and. That's what I've been using a lot with him. It's just the yes and. We hear him telling his like stuffed animals things that we tell him now. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Maybe a year ago. Maybe uh, probably more than that now. We took him to a Build-A-Bear and he found a T-Rex there that was really cool. So we built it. We got it home and he promptly forgot about it. But then earlier this week, there's a $75 it. 
Charizard Mega Evolution stuffed animal sitting up in one of the bedrooms upstairs that she insisted on having. And now it's and now ah. it's just sitting there. Uh, for those people who don't have kids, welcome to the world of kids. Oh my gosh, consumerism is like the worst. Avarice, thy name is four to five year olds. But he found it last week. So now he's been carrying it around with him everywhere he goes. And he's been telling stuff that we tell him. Like he had just today, he was saying, like, okay, T Rex, it's okay to feel sad sometimes. We're like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. Okay. So this lesson is kind of learning that's good yeah he's modeling your behavior he's practicing Mm -hmm. the way that now that's that's a sweet and lovely and wonderful story because (laughs) you and amy are excellent parents and then rebel does it and i'm like oh man i really need to i really need to chill out and watch my mouth don't i so it's a it's a mirror it's a mirror you're not parenthood is a mirror and you gotta be ready to look yourself in the eye sometimes because the other thing he he said to me last night is Jesus, Dad. Ah! I said, what? Yeah, what Rebel, Rebel picks that up from uh, from Michelle. She goes, uh, my wife, Michelle Underwood. She goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> she'd be like, she'd be like <laughs> my wife's trying yeah, not exactly. to swear, and then she winds up modeling the alternative the word mod- to exactly. it. And I'm like, mm. honestly, I just, I, I try not to like cuss up a storm. But I'm not going to censor myself too hard because ultimately she'll just have to figure out, hey, these words have a place. They have a certain kind of effect and I need to know how to use them properly. So it's like I don't want to I don't want to go the abstinence route with cursing. Got to go the the learn about it and be able to handle it route. To answer your question, it's just about the connections that he's making. Like, oh, dinosaurs do things. They're not just toys. They're not just they're they're actual animals that are doing things. And it's a stuffed T-Rex he's got? Yeah, stuffed T-Rex. And is T-Rex his favorite? I don't know. Uh, because he also has a stuffed Brontosaurus, and that was his favorite for a while. But right now, what's the... Oh, he loves the Ankylosaurus. Well, oh, it's my favorite dinosaur. Oh, is it really? Yeah, oh, yeah. and I used to play this game called Dino Park Tycoon, where you build yeah. your own... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you build yeah, your, your own dino zoo. Yeah, <laughs> Of course. But, you know, we also have uh, another book, dinosaur books at the wazoo. Um, do you know the book uh, P is for pterodactyl at all? Yes, I love that where it uses all too. of the difficult spellings and silent letters to make it the most inappropriate the, kind of phonics. Absolutely. And that was the first book that Mal fell in love with, even when he was young. I mean, we've always read to him, but there would be nights where he would just because he was a really early talker. So P is for pterodactyl was one that he knew pretty early on you know why you couldn't hear the pterodactyl going to the bathroom why's that the p was silent oh of course we should insert a laugh track <laughs> i'll i'll fake laugh <laughs> fake laughs in and and try to <laughs> make it all about all about us so yeah it's just cool to watch him connect all these different things that have kind of been a presence in his life since the beginning. But to see him start to make the connections of like, oh, the pterodactyl from this book is the pterodactyl in the show, is the pterodactyl in my dinosaur bingo, is a pterodactyl that flies in the air, is kind of cool. Have you taken Mal to the Field Museum yet? Not yet. You've got to take Mal to the Field Museum. You've got to walk him through that evolution wing. I really want to 
very bad. Like, they have life-size models made. of Quetzalcoatls up yeah, there. I, One yeah. is up on the second floor balcony before the exhibit, and the other is suspended from the ceiling. And I know, they are I know. terrifying. Oh, it is truly terrifying. And years ago, Amy worked for a, a realtor in Chicago, and they would do their holiday party. They would rent out the Field Museum. And walking around wearing a tuxedo, drunk as a skunk, looking at dinosaurs was one of the best nights of my entire life. That's a cool way to be in the Field Museum. Michelle and I went to a board game release party uh, for this game called Evolution. And it's uh, it was developed by a teacher to teach students around the age of third grade uh, about biology and the concept of evolution and how it works and it's one of my favorite board games of all time but they oh, rented nice. out the mammals of east asia wing and uh, we got to go yeah. and sit amongst all the love taxidermy and play that game there and that was a lot of fun yeah but a formal event i would love to get intoxicated under maximus the titan sword. all right so let's talk about these episodes a little bit you said they broke them down by region by habitat yeah by region or by habitat and there's five episodes in season one and i actually just found out today season two premieres in a month so it's i'm very excited for that first what are you streaming on it's bbc apple, it's apple apple TV. that's right that's right you already yeah. said that all right so the first first episode coasts is basically about all the coastal areas but honestly they started off with a bang so the first shot is a father t-rex swimming across a body of water with his children to go feed on a giant sea turtle t-rex swimming swimming because that is what they would do t-rexes have noses like sharks so they could smell blood from miles away so he is swimming with his children across a body of water to feed on a dead sea turtle that's washed up on the beach wow and it's is it a big you said it's a big sea turtle is this like one of those prehistoric there's way too much oxygen in the atmosphere kind of animals exactly yeah one of those huge ones that you know could feed a t-rex for for weeks but it's just cool to see that because on top of it it's showing that like hey this T-Rex that most people think of as like the apex predator is about to be eaten by this underwater dinosaur. Wait, uh, that's a surprise. I Because you uh -huh. said that he was on his way to eat. Yep. And he's a father. And he's a father. He's a father T-Rex. this is what you're showing Mal, just right it, off the bat. Well, just I know. Gobble, gobble. Well, it's nature. <laughs> it's nature, exactly. And so far, he's okay it's with What it. we imagine nature to have been. Or what our, our best guesstimation of what nature can be that's how the show starts and if you're not engaged by that something is wrong with you or you just don't like dinosaurs that very well could be which is fine from there it's just about all these different dinosaurs that live on the coasts and so you get to see all these different dinosaurs interacting and laying eggs and defending territory from rival dinosaurs and wait you like see that. them laying the eggs yeah. like they animated the cloaca opening yes. and wow <laughs> the detail the detail i mean i'm trying to think of which episode we were i think it was the freshwater one we were watching and all of a sudden uh, a quetzalcoatlus like bends down and an egg plops out and mal looks at me he's like what happened <laughs> said, <laughs> well that dinosaur laid an egg and then that got into a whole conversation about what eggs are which went down a deep rabbit hole as to why we eat eggs and all that kind of stuff. 
it's real fun to start explaining like where food comes from and then oh, yeah. just be straight up asked about the moral implications of that. And then you have to question everything. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but you know, are you are you really gonna change at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I'm beginning to see why the older generations are so cantankerous and stuck in their ways. Oh, absolutely. That's the second time we've said that tonight, Phil. Are we just? Oh, I know. Old? I'm. There's going to be a third one, and I hope there's it's go- hilarious. Oh, gosh. Oh my goodness. I can't wait. The second episode is deserts. So deserts starts with a bunch of dreadnought dreadnoughtus. Do you know what a dreadnoughtus is? I well, it's a, it's in a desert, so I imagine it's not a fish. <laughs> no, uh, I I should have clarified. Do you know what kind of dinosaur a dreadnoughtus is? Oh, oh, you mean I knew it was a dinosaur? Oh, yeah. Um, hold on, let me think about this. Uh, like a dreadnoughtus. Well, it that sounds big, you know, because mm-hmm. the word dreadnought, and uh, uh, yeah. I would say that we are talking about some sort of stegosaurus. Close. I mean, it's an herbivore, but it is uh, closer to like a brontosaurus than anything else. Okay. So long neck variety. Long, long necked. Exactly. So that episode starts with a bunch of male dreadnoughtuses fighting for the right to mate. So they are getting up on their hind legs and and hitting each other with their long necks and their bodies. And and then whoever wins gets to just sit in a group of females and wait. (laughs) And and wait to mate. (laughs) But then from there, it starts going into uh, like the velociraptors, which are just, it was the first time in the series where I was like, okay, this is really cool. Because the velociraptors are tiny dinosaurs. And when we see them in like Jurassic Park, they're they're, feathery, right? Yeah. And they're feathery, you know, but seeing them in Jurassic Park makes them look like bigger than I think they actually are. Well, those were genetically modified. Well, of course. Evil scientists who wanted to take control of something. I honestly can't remember the last two Jurassic Parks, the plot of them. I didn't see the last one. It's. It's bad. It's separate from the first one. Number three is good, though. William H. Macy's in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah, that one's one's good. good. That's solid. On top of the dinosaurs in episode two, they also start talking about the insects, like the prehistoric insects and stuff. Ooh, yeah, the big ones, right? Yeah, the big ones. Oxygen rich makes bugs bigger. From their uh, freshwater, you bring back the T-Rex. So T-Rex is back, but... You get to see how T-Rex mates. Wait, did they animate that too? And again, you're showing this to Mal. It is. There is a second where I thought briefly about covering his eyes because it's a T-Rex lying on top of another T-Rex. And I was like, oh, okay. And then David Attenborough's voice comes over and it's... Wait, hold on. (laughs) T-Rex is in the missionary position? No, from behind. So the T-Rex position... Older than doggy style. Yeah, that's right. Wait, what, what about the tail? Like, wouldn't the tail get in the way? Well, that's what I was a little confused by, but I didn't want to go back and study it with my son there, so I just kind of let it be. Yeah. But, you, you know, it's funny to watch this male T-Rex lie on top of this female and then David Attenborough's voice come in and say, over the next few months, these dinosaurs will mate continually and then they will separate. And it's like, oh, Wow. Okay, so they just get to have fun for a few months and then go about their way. Wow. But it's cool to kind of watch their mating ritual because they do a whole showing their neck to the other dinosaur as a sign of deference because that's the weakest part of their yeah, bodies. Yeah, a weak spot. Don't kill me. So it's kind of cool to see that. But also in Freshwater, you start to go, 
under the water. So you get to see like the elasmosaurs. Elasmos- What's an elasmosaur? It's like an underwater brontosaurus. Long neck dinosaur. But it's a carnivore. Sort of like a plesiosaur? Kind of, yeah. Flipper's long neck? Yeah, flipper's long neck. But plesiosaur eats plants, I think. And the elasmosaurus is a... Plesiosaur eats what it wants. Oh, well, see, there you go. Plesiosaur is always in swimsuit shape. Always. Because this shape was meant for a swimsuit. Absolutely. Plesiosaur. Elasmosaurus eat fish. So it's a carnivore in the ocean. Okay, well, technically a... Pescapalian, or no, that's different. Uh, <laughs> wait, a Pescapalian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking of an e Pescapalian. That's just a person who eats fish online. There you go. <laughs> Damn it, I'm not gonna do the. I'm not gonna do the simple Google to fix that. Fair enough. I know I'm wrong. It's fine. Freshwater one also has the Quetzalcoatlus, which I keep talking about, but I think that might be my favorite dinosaur. The giant terrifying bird with the like two story long beak two story long beak looks like it's walking around on stilts yeah because in addition to flying it actually walks on land it can walk on its wings as if its legs it's just really really cool i am so happy that these magnificent unique wonderful creatures we're all dead and gone. <laughs> you know, but what's that new Adam Driver movie coming out where he goes 65 back? million. 65 million. Or maybe it's just right. called 65. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's like something super short. It's like mm, not your best work title-wise. Number four is Ice Worlds. That has a bunch of dinosaurs that I was not familiar with. I don't imagine dinosaurs enjoying cold weather. They're reptilian. They're cold-blooded. Check it and see. They have a temperature that's lower than three. I'm not going to stop trying to parody Foreigner. That's the one we were watching tonight. And it's a lot of like, hey, the ice is melting for this one month. We're going to come out of a cave and go do everything we need to do and then go back and find another cave to sleep in for nine months (laughs) or whatever. But that one, I honestly... That was the one tonight that I was struggling with where Mal was like, hey, what dinosaur is that? And I'm like, I don't know what dinosaur that is. Let's wait and see what David Attenborough says. And then he says it in a British dialect. And I'm like, I still don't know what dinosaur that is. I still don't know. You got to put the subtitles on. Oh, I know. I should. Don't be ashamed. Use the accessibility features. They're for everyone. It's true. If there's anything with a British accent, we have to have it on. Yeah. Fair enough. So then we get into episode five, Forest, which has finally Triceratops. Everyone's favorite. No, Dylan, it's do Ceratops or do not Ceratops. There is no Triceratops. It's a herd of Triceratops that are going through an underground cave to find a salt lake, which is really cool. So they actually... Triceratops in an underground cave. As they're filming it, they're making it look like they're filming an underground cave. When you cave. say filming, did they like take a camera into an actual <laughs> cave and then put CGI in later? I think so. Or is the whole thing CGI, Dylan? I know deep in my heart that this entire show is CGI, but it feels so real that I just can't tell, which is what makes it so enjoyable for me. If you're able to suspend that disbelief, that's nice. It's really nice. And I'm sure the gummy helped you do that too. Oh, absolutely. But now that I'm watching it sans gummy with my son, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really enjoyable. So, yeah, then it ends with the with the forest, which is the Triceratops episode. It's great. It's just solid. It's solid stuff. I have no idea what they're doing for season two yet. Rhinosaurs in space. Perfect. It's an incredibly well-regarded documentary series about dinosaurs. What's not to love? And it's rated G. 
Despite the T-Rex sex. Despite the T-Rex sex. And I believe it's T-Rex making love. Making whoopee. Whoop. Whoopee. That's the show. And I'm I can't wait to see what they do next because we still haven't seen a Stegosaurus. Would you like some interesting Stegosaurus trivia? Please. All right. Pop quiz hot shot. Play it on me. The spikes on the end of a Stegosaurus's tail. What are those called? Spikes, I would assume. Nope, they have an actual scientific term. All right. Uh, pointy, sharpie thingies. No, you're going to love this stuff. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I really have no clue. It's called a thagomizer. Ooh, a thagomizer. And do you know why they call it a thagomizer? <laughs> no idea. Because Gary Larson, who draws or drew the far side, drew a comic of cavemen giving a lecture with a diagram of a stegosaurus and the spiky tail. And the caveman professor points to it and says, this at the end of tail is called a thagomizer, named after the late Robert Thag. Apparently, the paleontology community thought that that was so funny, and they realized they didn't have an official name for the spikes on the end of a stegosaurus tail. So they went ahead and stole that from Gary Larson and called it a thagomizer. Gotta be kidding me! That's One that's of my amazing bits of dinosaur <laughs> trivia that I have in my head. But I'm also a big fan of the band T Rex, so got to give it up for Mark Boland. Oh yeah, yeah, you would know their um. The song Bang a Gong, Get It On. That's T Rex. No, I don't know it. Oh, you don't? Bang a Gong, Get It On, Get It On. Oh, Get It On, Get It On, Yeah, now we get it. Now we get it. <laughs> That's T Rex. They're great. Mark Boland, they were in the same scene as early David Bowie when he was doing Ziggy Stardust stuff. They were both like folk artists. And then went glam overnight. <laughs> so, hey, one second, Rebel <laughs> yes. is here. Hey, kiddo. Mama said, "Don't come down here," but I did anyway. <laughs> I love you, kiddo. I Rebel. She can't hear you because I got headphones on. But Rebel, do you want to say anything? You want to say hi to Dylan? You want to tell us what your favorite dinosaur is? Yeah. What's your favorite dinosaur, Rebel? Daddy. Yeah. You're talking to me. I am. I'm talking to you. Mine is a raptor. A raptor. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. like a velociraptor? Yeah. Yeah, those are nice. We were talking about those. Did you know they have feathers? Yeah. That's so cool, huh? I love velociraptors. Yeah, me too. Yeah, what's your favorite animal? Mine is an ankylosaurus with the big club-like tail. Okay, I love. Do you want a hug? Good night. Good night. I love you. That was amazing. Well, Phil, you're gonna have to come over and play dinosaur bingo with us sometime too. Absolutely. Oh man, she's gonna dig that. I'm gonna dig that. It's great. And if you get bingo, you get a fruit loop. So oh, yeah, a single fruit loop. Well that no, that's good. It's better than pennies. Because they can go in your mouth and not kill you. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are great. Love them. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Love dinosaurs. <laughs> We want to say thank you to our kids, Mal and Rebel. We want to thank our wives, Amy and Michelle. We want to thank Kevin Alves and Big Talk Podcasts. And we want to thank Jason Moody for our theme song. Come back and catch us next time on...
blah, blah, blah. Big talk.